Wonderful. Please grab a seat. And let's very quickly tonight, as we finish our afternoon together, by looking at Psalm 126. Why don't I read it for us, and then we'll get um, stuck straight into it. It'll be on the screen behind me for the whole of the talk, so that we can refer back to it. Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Well, very simply, this psalm is split up into two halves, and these two halves are going to form our two points this evening. But I want to start with a story, a story that I don't think many of you will know about me. Um, I uh, worked in Africa for many years, and one of the most terrifying experiences of my life was when we went to a game reserve, a massive game reserve in the middle of Malawi. And it's a beautiful place, it's full of beautiful animals. The problem is that there are some elephants in this game reserve. And in the middle of this game reserve, there is an an enormous clearing. And in the middle of this clearing, there are tents on stilts. The idea being is that you can be on a tent, on a stilt, and not worry about the elephants as they trump through. One afternoon, we were all making camp. It was the cool of the day. The elephants were meant to be away from the camp when out of nowhere, an elephant burst through the undergrowth. I'm not, I'm not kidding. It burst through the undergrowth. We were all in the middle. We were terrified, absolutely terrified. We thought we were going to die when suddenly a tiny man, a tiny little man jumped out in front of the elephant and just started, planted his feet on the floor and waved his hands like this going... For about 10 minutes, I'm not kidding, and the elephant came to a complete stop, came to a complete halt right in front of us. We were all there, this tiny man called Mr. Patricia, a small Malawian, standing right there in the middle of this elephant, stopping it with his big hands. And this elephant came to a halt, turned around, and went away into the undergrowth. It was a remarkable experience. It was an experience that I talk of often. And every single time we went back to that camp, we took that man with us. Because we really trusted him. We had been restored as a group. We had not died. We had been saved. And so we trusted in this man to do the same again. That is exactly what we read of when we come to Psalm 126. We read of the psalmist who is looking back of an incredible restoration for his people. And so he can trust in the same God to restore them again. Those are the two points for tonight. Firstly, looking back and remembering the God who has restored his people. Verses 1 to 3. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. There is much rejoicing in this psalm. And there is much rejoicing because the restoration that the psalmist is almost certainly talking about here is great indeed. You see, the psalmist is is writing off the back of the return of the exiles from Babylon to Jerusalem. And it's important for us to remember what that really looked like. 
God's people, because of their sin, they'd been carried off by an evil foreign power, by the mighty Babylonian Empire. They'd been held in captivity for decades, and all was lost. But now a remnant has returned back to the land God originally gave to his people. God's people are now free. They are home. They are safe. And this psalmist recognizes with incredible joy that it is all because of God himself. From Israel's very lowest point in her history, the Lord God has restored her fortunes. From unimaginable lows to equally unimaginable heights, from the bondage of captivity in a foreign land to the reality of freedom at home, it makes sense that there is much rejoicing. And rightly so, God takes all the glory for it. It is the Lord who has done great things for his people. And this is really important as we look at this psalm, because the truth is, this kind of restoration for Israel was impossible. If you remember, when we were looking through Ezekiel with Andy Robertson last year, the the one question that is constantly being asked of the Bible writers living with the people of God at the time was, will God ever be with his people again? Will the people of God ever be brought home again? Will Israel, Zion, God's people, truly be restored And this question is asked because it genuinely looked like that God had left them, that there was no way back. It seemed they had fallen too far. That God's patience and love had finally run out. The land was lost, the people was lost, even the temple itself was lost. That picture of God's covenant relationship with his people, it was in ruins. This kind of restoration for Israel was an impossibility in human terms. But here the psalmist is standing in the middle of the land of Israel and he is marveling at where he is. He is looking back at an incredible, almost unbelievable work of God himself, a miracle of God's patience and love and grace that got the psalmist, his people, to this very position. It was the Lord who restored our fortunes, cries the psalmist. And so our mouths are filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. And so they should be. And so, as the psalmist looks back into the past and remembers, so that causes him, point two, to turn and look into an unknown future and place his trust in the same God for future restoration. The psalmist is looking forward to and trusting in the God who will continue to restore. Because, you see, the psalmist recognizes that despite this wonderful restoration of God that has happened in the past, there is more to come. Read with me those last three verses. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. It is evident, isn't it, that despite this incredible restoration, there is still the anguish and the tears and the weeping of an ongoing struggle but that these tears and this weeping will give way to more joy. And herein lies the heart of this passage and the reality of life as we know and experience it today as Christians. Because as we look back at the great things that the Lord has done for us, what is it that we are looking back to? We're not looking back to the Old Testament return to exile as much as that's an incredible act of God. We are now looking back at the ultimate return from the threat of an eternal exile. 
We are looking back at our true restorer, Jesus Christ, who has done great things for us by dying on a cross to bring us back from death into eternal life. That is the great restoration. And should that not cause our mouths to be filled with laughter and our tongues to shout for joy? For this kind of restoration was also an impossibility. Ephesians reminds us that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. There was nothing we can do about that. As the people of God were sitting in their refugee camps on the Kabar Canal in mighty Babylon, thousands of miles from home, there was nothing they could have done about that. But for them, a miracle happened and God intervened. For us, a miracle has happened and Jesus Christ, the Son of God himself, stepped into time put on flesh, lived a perfect human life and gave it all up onto a cross so that his people might be truly restored to freedom and to life. This is the restoration the people of God look back to this evening. A restoration, a miracle so great that it caused dead people to come to life. But in the light of our looking back, As is the same with the psalmist, we feel a tension, don't we? For we are very aware that we are not fully restored yet. You see, as a psalmist is standing in the middle of Israel, looking at Zion, the city of Jerusalem around him, seeing possibly the the, the rebuilding of the temple underway, what does he see? An incredible restoration. But something that isn't quite as grand or as final or as permanent as he'd like. Something that is a shadow of its former self. You see, the psalmist is waiting for a greater restoration. A final restoration. A more permanent restoration. And so are we. We as believers are saved in Christ. But we are not fully restored yet and we feel that. But there will come a day where we will be. Where the tears and the weeping and the toiling and the sowing in this psalm are all done away with. Where the struggle of everyday life, the intense battle with sin, the incredible pain of human frailty, the anguish of a normal hard-bitten life, it all gives way to joy. Where we shall, verse 6, come home with joy. You see, we are with the psalmist in every way, Chalmers Church. We are standing with him in the now and the not yet having been restored thanks to the great things that the Lord has done for us, but waiting to be fully restored to him in eternity. We feel the tension in this psalm. But so we also feel the assurance in this psalm. For the psalmist, knowing what God has done for him in the past, just like this guy who saved us from that elephant, who wanted him around us all the time. The psalmist says, well, I can trust in the same God to do it again in the future. I've seen it. I saw it happen. I saw it happen before, said the psalmist. I can trust him. I know it will happen again. For those of us here who doubt, for those of us here who worry about our faith, for those of us here who wonder whether Jesus' salvation really is enough and whether he will do what he says he will do, all I need to do is look back at what Jesus did on the cross, look back at his rising again from the dead, That gives us real assurance that he can and he will fully restore us in the future. Keeping us going to the end. 
holding us to the very last. That is our even greater restoration. A restoration where we will be with Christ himself in our perfected state, able to look the God of eternity in the eye and proclaim before his presence, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Bringing this back to the present as we close. For the present is where the psalmist is. We sit here together tonight as Chalmers Church this very evening at the height of midsummer. And what have we done? We've been looking back into last term, looking back over the last few years. And what do we see? In a very small but significant way, we see a God who has restored us. As we stand in this very building, do we not see a God who has done great things for us? This is not a trite thing to say. It would be wrong for us not to give God all the glory and all the thanks for just what he has done for us, for us, this local representation of God's people. Bringing us out of homelessness to a home. And as we stand in this building, thinking on what God has done for us, so we look forward to tomorrow. To the future. Not panicking, but hoping, praying, rejoicing in what that same God will do. Tonight we've listened to plans for the future. We hope, God willing, in a year's time we will be on the cusp of planting another local representation of God's people in this city. We don't undertake these things lightly, but neither should we dread them. We should be like people who dream. We're allowed to be excited about the God of the past. We've seen him work. We're allowed to get excited about the fact that this same God is still working for the good of his people. We're allowed to get excited about the fact that this same God, what he will do in the future, it's this kind of God, this kind of God of restoration that we dedicate the future of Chalmers Church to. It's this kind of God that we dedicate a a building project to. It's this kind of God we dedicate a church plant to. A God who promises to work for the good of his people. Chalmers, we should be like people who dream. And in that regard, not only do we stand in this building tonight looking back on our history under God, but we do so with the whole of Scotland. We look back and see the glory days of the past, the revivals of long ago, the time when Scotland was the land of the book, the time when Scotland sent out more missionaries than the other two greatest denominations in the UK combined, and we marvel at what God had done for his people. But as we stand in the present, in the midst of social, political, spiritual turmoil and horror, we don't panic. Rather, our remembrance of the past turns our heads to the future as we continue to pray to the same God who we've seen work and ask with joy, hope and expectation that he would do the same again. Are we truly willing to pray the prayer of the psalmist that we would see the restoration of Scotland. The psalmist understands here, doesn't he, as we close, that the work of restoration does involve the sowing in tears. We don't pray to this God for restoration and sit back. We pray to this God for restoration and we work our socks off. 
And the Bible promises that that will be a work filled with incredible pain and incredible persecution. We're sowing in tears. We're weeping through it. But wonderfully, it is not our work. It is God's. The streams of the Negev here is a metaphor for a phenomenal act of God. The Negev was the driest place in and around Israel. There were no streams in the Negev. Bar once in a blue moon, where the weather systems were just right, so that a powerful rain would sweep through the Southlands and the dormant dead seeds of decades would burst with life. And for only a few weeks, there would be the most astonishingly beautiful desert bloom of vibrant life the land would ever see. The streams of the Negev was an act of God. So will the restoration of God's people be. An incredible act of a miracle of God's work. Tonight, as we sit together as a church, in the turmoil of the present, as we look to the glories of the past, and as we dream of the unknown future, not only are we reminded of Jesus Christ and his salvation for us as individuals, of Jesus and our future restoration, which we are all aiming for, But so we are reminded that God has not given up working to restore the futures of his church. And so we pray as the psalmist prays as we close tonight. In hope and incredible expectation. In realism and in joy. To him that he would once again enact a miracle of a desert bloom in Morningside. Or in Collington. In Scotland. And that by what Jesus has done and the miracle of his grace, another mighty restoration would happen. Where dead people are raised to life, to the promise of a future restoration with Jesus in eternity. Let's pray as we close. Heavenly Father God, we thank you and praise you so much for this psalm. Thank you for its excitement and its joy in the God who has restored the fortunes of his people. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a God who works on behalf of us and for us and with us to make sure that your name is known in these lands. Father God, thank you too that we can trust that because we have seen you work in the past, we know that you will work in the future, even though we we don't know what that will look like, even though some of us might not see it. Thank you that you are the same God who wants to restore people to yourself. Father God, that gives us incredible joy and hope tonight. For all the plans that we've been looking at this afternoon, for all the things that we've discussed, for the things that we've prayed through, for the things that we'd love to see happen, Father God, we dedicate them to you now, almighty King knowing that you are good and that you are able to do all of these things and more. Father God, help us to put our trust in you. But help us to be real about this. Help us to know that this is going to be difficult. Father God, please, please keep us steady. In the rut of real difficult life, please keep us steady and firm, holding on to the assurance and the promise of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And Father God, above all, may we see many, many people come into full restoration with you as we see people come to name Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Lord, we pray all these things with great thanksgiving, with expectation, and with great joy in your mighty name. Amen.